0: Have your word uh, you always need to have your word um, that's your weapon that's your sword and you need to have it everywhere you go and now really there's no excuse not to have it because we have phones that uh, we can download the entire Bible <laughs> it's not like you have to carry around the big family Bible anymore uh, you have it on your phone but if for some reason you don't have it on your phone and you don't have your Bible Praise the Lord, it's going to be on the screens behind me. But tonight, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, uh, reading verses 2 through 13. I I don't know 100% that we're going to get through verse 13, but we're going to give it a go anyway. If you're there, Mark chapter 9, say amen. amen. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. "'And leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. "'And he was transfigured before them. "'And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, "'so as no fuller on earth can white them. "'And there appeared unto them Elijah with Moses, "'and they were talking with Jesus.' And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. And they asked him, saying, Why say these scribes that Elijah must come first? And he answered and told them, Elijah verily cometh first, and restoreth all things. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things, and be set at naught. But I say unto you that Elijah is indeed come. And they have done unto him whatsoever they listed, as it is written of him. You see, you've always heard the saying um, that things aren't always as they appear. Looks can be deceiving, right? We've heard these sayings before. And never was this more true than when the Son of Almighty God left heaven and came to earth. When the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, the outward expression of the Lord was obvious to all. He was a travel-stained, itinerant preacher. A peasant, if you will. But underneath... All of that, I said underneath all of that, he was God Almighty. He was God Almighty. Peter, James, and John were about to get a glimpse of his glory. Amen. Woos says, But now that outward expression was changed. Out from within the innermost being of the Son of God, there shone that dazzling glory of the essence of deity, which he possesses co-eternally with God the Father and God the Spirit. You see, despite the fact that he was not the kind of Messiah, or Savior that Israel was expecting. He was exactly the Messiah and Savior that they needed. And in fact, the exact Messiah and Savior Savior that the entire world needs at this very hour. We need Him. We need Him now more than ever before. To Peter, James, and John, he looked defeated, but he was actually victorious. He dies and is buried by men, but he will be raised by the exalted Lord. He looked like a regular man, but he's actually deity, the Almighty God. How are you seeing him tonight? How are you looking at him tonight as just a a, a good man, a good preacher? I've said it before. Other religions of the world, they recognize Jesus as a good man, a prophet, a teacher. But they fail to recognize him as the Lord God Almighty. And if you get Jesus wrong, it doesn't matter what you get right. We've got to see him for who he truly is. He is God. He is Savior of the world. We've got to have our eyes adjusted. Oh, Lord, we want to see you for who you truly are tonight, Lord. Oh, show us your glory tonight, Lord, in this house. See, what's about to take place before the very eyes of Peter, James, and John is just a preview of what was to come. And I'm speaking of the cross and ultimately his return. See, we're seeing a preview of what's going to take place in the millennial reign, in the coming kingdom age. So why Peter, James, and John? Why just those three and not all 12, right? Why not? Well, this is not the first time that this has happened, that he just took those three. Peter, James, and John. This is actually the second time. And after this, there will be a third time that he just takes those three, Peter, James, and John. The first was found in Mark 5.37, and I didn't give you that verse, Vanessa. We don't have to look it up. But uh, if you will remember, that's when Jesus took them to witness the raising of Jairus' daughter, right? Here they witnessed the power of Christ. It was the first time they had seen anything like that. They witnessed the power of Christ. We serve a powerful Savior. He's able to raise the dead. Just take a look around at you. We were all dead in our sins and our trespasses, but he quickened us. He brought us to life. He breathed life into our very nostrils. We were dead. Before we came to know him, we serve a very powerful Savior. The second is here in this text, the transfiguration. And here they will see the glory of Christ. And our heart's desire should be tonight, show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory. The third time these three were taken even further with the Lord. In the Garden of Gethsemane, where they saw the suffering of Christ. They saw him crying. They saw him praying, saying, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. They saw his willingness to endure the suffering, even enduring cross it wasn't for him he asked the Lord if there be any other way Lord let it pass Lord. they saw that but when the Lord was silent he went on he went on about the father's business because his heart was to do the will of the father always And without exception, what a privilege, what a joy, what an honor it was for Peter, James, and John to witness these three accounts, the power of God, the glory of God, and the suffering of our Lord and Savior. I'm so thankful that we have this word that we're able to go to and read and draw strength from and realize he did it for us. He did it all for us. But there is power in the name of Jesus. His glory is shining, amen? But do you have the eyes to see it? And the work that was accomplished on the cross over 2,000 years ago, we're still benefiting from it, amen? Oh, there's still that flow from Calvary. And if we will just focus our faith there... Oh, we share in the sufferings of Christ. That's how we're able to do that. That doesn't mean, oh, you got to beat yourself down and, and carry a cross on your back and, and all of these things. No, we place our faith where that was done for us. And we keep our faith there. We don't move it from there. Now, the Scripture doesn't come right out and give us a clear explanation a reason why it was just these three and not all of the twelve. But we know that he's no respecter of persons, right? He's not prejudiced as to who he blesses. His offer is the same to all, to whosoever will. But who wants more of him, right? I would have to think that these three men had a greater hunger for the Lord. Therefore, a greater love. For him. Despite their faults, despite their failings, James 4 8 became true in their lives as they drew near to him. Guess what? He drew near to them. In this day, I want to encourage you here, I want to encourage you by way of the internet and Facebook. Yes, they're telling us to practice social distancing, but we can draw near to Him, and He will draw near to us. We don't have to separate ourselves. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Oh, I encourage you, saints, you better be drawing near to Him during these last days. He's our only hope. And as we draw near to Him, His word is true. He will draw near to us. Oh, I feel him near to me tonight. I feel him near to me tonight. If he wasn't near me tonight, I couldn't bear the worry, the fear, the stress. I couldn't do it on my own. But he is near to his children tonight. So now through this transfiguration, and that is just a big word, meaning given an outward expression of one's inner character, right? That's what that means. He wants to reveal more to them. Why? Because they have the desire to know more. They had the desire. See, the Lord knows our hearts. He knows the intent of our hearts. And if our true heart's desire is to know more of Him, He's going to reveal more of Himself. He's going to. We can have as much of Him as we will ever want, as we can possibly handle. But do we desire it? Do we have a true desire to know Him? Do you want to know Him more tonight? Because I want to tell you, he wants to reveal himself more tonight. He does. He always does. That's always his heart. He wants to reveal more and more of himself. But are you hungry? Are you thirsty for more and more of him? Verse 3 of Mark chapter 9 says, And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. So as no fuller, that means a launderer, someone who does laundry on earth can white them. Meaning you could we could dump all the bleach we wanted to and we couldn't as make it as white as what this was. I mean, we couldn't do it. There's no way. We could put writ dye in there, we could do all the things that we know to do to make something white and it wouldn't even come close to what we're talking about right here. See, this verse amplifies the change that's taking place. His very clothes were shining. I mean, just shining, bright, right? Matthew seventeen two says, And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Luke 9 and 29 says, And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. Can you just picture that for a moment tonight? Wow, yeah, that's a good picture right there. That's it. And they got to see this. They got to witness this with their very eyes. Psalms 104 and 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. So here in verse 3, just for a brief moment in time, the Lord's true identity is allowed to shine forth in all its glory. Remember, they just saw him as
1: a rabbi,
0: the master, dirty from traveling around, traveling from place to place, and for a moment, oh, he was able to say, no, really, I I don't know why, I think I've seen a movie or something, I'm, I'm trying to, I can't remember, but just an opening up and just being, oh my gosh, wow, I mean, you know me, I am a very visual person, and I can just see this. And guess what? We're going to get to see it. I, we're not just going to have to imagine it. We're really going to get to see his face. One day we're going to get to see him in all of his glory, and all of his splendor, and all of his majesty. We're going to get to see him, church. We've got to hold on. We can't lose faith now. He's coming. This is a beautiful picture of what it will be like in the coming kingdom age amen and i can't wait to be there verse 4 and there appeared unto them elijah with moses and this right here and they were talking with jesus (laughs) i mean can you imagine what peter james and john were thinking at this very moment Right before their eyes, they've just been shown the glory of the Lord, and then they look and they see Moses and Elijah, the three of them having a conversation. If there ever was a jaw dropping moment, it was definitely now. Like, now it's encouraging that they knew who Moses and Elijah were, right? They knew who they were. They knew who they were looking at. We can't kind of breeze over that. They knew who they were. See, while the glory of the Lord is on display, now Elijah and Moses appear. Now, their appearance had to do with the coming kingdom age. We know that, just as the transfiguration of Christ did. But here we find Moses representing the law. That's what Moses represents, is the law, as well as representing all those who died in the faith before the cross. That's why he was there. He was representing that. Those who were looking forward to the coming promise. They died in the faith. And I think sometimes, what's our excuse? What's our problem? They, they didn't even know. They just kept looking forward. But we've got him. We've got him. We've got the fulfillment. And yet our faith shifts from place to place. Oh, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to start preaching another message if I don't watch it. But then we have Elijah representing grace. That's what Elijah represents. Commentary says, Moses points to the saints from Adam's time to the first advent of Christ, and more particularly, particularly to the cross. These uh, who were under law or before will have a great part in the millennial kingdom, just as those who were under grace. See, Elijah speaks of the saints dead or alive under grace who at the rapture will also be glorified and translated and be a part of the millennial kingdom. See, actually there's no difference between the two groups because we're both going to be there. And it's all about Jesus. Amen. It's all about him. That's what it's going to be about. So Peter, James, and John represent Israel, cleansed and restored at the second advent. So all of this is a picture of what is to come. The millennial kingdom. Now, the last part of that verse, like I said, and they were talking with Jesus. That just blows my mind. And at the same time, reminds me that I too can talk with Jesus at any time. Any time. See, Moses and Elijah, the only way that they could converse with the Lord was through sacrifices. The ultimate sacrifice was made. Now you and I can go boldly before the throne anytime. Anytime. So what they were talking about is the very thing that now gives us access to talk to Jesus. So what were they talking about? What in the world could Moses, Elijah, and Jesus be talking about? Well, Luke says in uh, Luke 9 and 31, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. They were talking about what Jesus would do at the cross. This alone should tell us just how important the cross actually is. If God saw fit in all of his wisdom to have Peter, James, and John be taken up onto a mountain to witness Jesus displaying all of his glory. Then Moses and Elijah appearing, having a conversation. What were they talking about? The cross of Jesus Christ. What should you and I be talking about? The cross of Jesus Christ. Clay. right? That's right. They couldn't do it. That's right. That's right. That's it. It's so encouraging. I mean, folks, when you realize how the word over and over and over again just confirms itself, just fulfills itself, I mean... The word can't lie. It can't contradict itself. Everything in the Old Testament is now fulfilled in the New Testament. Moses' desire is fulfilled in the New Testament. Speaking of things that are still to come. In the millennial kingdom, in the kingdom age, right? That's so exciting. Again, the cross was their topic of conversation, and so should it be ours. I said it Sunday. The enemy tries to beat me up. I'm sure the same with Jason. Anyone who stands behind this pulpit, uh, oh, you preach about the cross all the time because it's the only thing to preach about. Nothing else works. Nothing else matters. It's all about the cross. And this right here, folks, if this doesn't nail the... the, Wow, what is that saying? Put the nail to the... The nail in the coffin? (laughs) I'm so not good with sayings. I totally mess them up. But if this doesn't do it, I don't know what else you're looking for. If it was that important for Moses and Elijah to talk to Jesus about the cross, that should be our topic of conversation. That should be our... I mean, every sermon we preach could be titled Christ and Him Crucified because that's what it's about. There's that thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation. And it's all about what Jesus did on the cross. It ties it all together. You may say, well, I get lost when I read the Old Testament. Then you need to be asking the Lord to give you a revelation of the cross because when the cross is revealed to you, the Old Testament becomes clear. You will see it all through the Old Testament. And then you will see it fulfilled in the New Testament. It all makes sense. It's all tied together. The Old Testament points to the New Testament, what Jesus is to do in the New Testament. That's what it's about. It's all about the cross. And I love how commentary puts this. It says, What were Peter's thoughts as he saw and overheard the conversation concerning the coming death of Christ in Jerusalem, especially after he had rebuked the Lord Concerning this very thing. Remember when Jesus told him? And then Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. But now he's hearing it again from Moses and Elijah and Jesus all talking about it. I wonder what his thoughts were. You would think, Oh, I was wrong. I I shouldn't have said that, right? But even after all they have just witnessed, they still lacked the faith that they needed. Now, we only hear from Peter, but I'm sure the other two were thinking the same thing. See, Peter was still lifted up within his boastful self and would not be deterred without bitter humiliation. You see, the Lord, oh, he's so long-suffering. He gives grace and gives grace and gives more grace. But then there will come a point point in a time where he's like, okay, I'm getting ready to set things straight. I, I've, I've given you time after time. My word has gone forth over and over and over again. And you continue to reject. You continue to turn a deaf ear to my word. So now I'm going to set you straight. And thank God for that. That shows how much he loves us. That he will do that. I mean, he sent his son to die on a cross that not one would perish. How much more could he do? He gives us time and opportunity over and over again. But this right here proves the point that experiences are great, but they don't affect change that is needed in our life. Think of what they just experienced. The glory of God revealed. Moses and Elijah appearing before them. Listening in on their conversation. That was a great experience. But yet, it didn't change them. The same is true here. We have wonderful, awesome services where the presence of Almighty God is moving in this house. People come. They experience the Lord. Their lives are touched, but they walk out the doors. And the enemy snatches away very quickly what the Lord did. Why? Because change only comes by faith being properly rooted and grounded in the finished work of Christ faith and faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God i said it last week truth is the sanctifier. And if we do not read and hear the truth, and I'm speaking of not what Summer has to say, not what Jason has to say, but what thus saith the Lord has to say, if we do not read truth, if we do not hear truth, then we cannot grow in sanctification. That's the process. That's the way. That's God's way, right? That's the only way it can happen. By faith. Our faith being anchored in the word of Almighty God. And when I say the word, when I say Jesus, it all is tied together at the cross. He is the word. He became flesh and dwelt among us. It's all tied together, right? Verse 5, I gotta hurry. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, It's good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. That sounds like a great idea, right? Now, I want you to get this. Peter answers something that he wasn't even asked. uh, Sawyer just said this to Sage. Sage came in and said something. Sawyer and I was having a conversation, and he says, this is an A-B conversation. You need to see your way out. Have you heard that before? (laughs) That's an old school thing we used to like to say. But this, in essence, is what the Lord is telling Peter, right? We didn't read of Jesus asking Peter a question. We didn't read that in these verses, right? But yet Peter thought he had a good idea. I got a good idea, Lord, which is exactly always the problem, right? It's always the problem with man. We always think we know better. But we don't. Oh, I got a great idea. Let's just uh, build tabernacles and keep y'all up here on this mountain, right? So then you can conquer Rome. You can restore Israel. You can make my life great again, Lord. You don't have, again, he's saying, you don't, have, you don't have to go to the cross, right? Man's ways always by, bypass the cross, always. Man's way always bypasses the cross. See, Peter really missed it yet again. He placed Moses and Elijah in the same category as Jesus. Wow, none can compare to him. None, as great as Moses and Elijah were. They don't compare to the Savior of the world. They don't compare to Jesus. See, wanting to keep them is wanting to control them. And that's what man wants to do. Man wants to control things. Yeah, I'm going to just keep you right here and you're going to be like my little genie in a bottle. And I can just come knock on your door. Oh, can you do that? No. They still miss the mission of Christ to willingly offer himself up as our substitute. Thereby fulfilling the law and pardoning us, giving us life everlasting, right? Complete and total redemption. And he missed it again. We miss it. We always think there has to be more. It just can't be simple faith in the cross. Hear me tonight. It's simple faith. Faith in the cross. That's it, and that's all. Simple faith in the cross. There is no more. There is nothing else. Verse 6, For he didn't know what to say, for they were sore afraid, meaning that Peter, James, and John were terrified. Wouldn't you be? I mean, let's be real. We want to put the hammer down on Peter and think, Oh, you, blah, blah, blah. We do the same thing. Every time we shift our faith, we do the exact same thing. A basic uh, life lesson is given here. When you don't know what to say, most of the time it's best not to say anything at all. Just don't say anything. You know those people who think they always have to chime in and say something? And a lot of times you look at them like, What did you even say? That really didn't even make sense. Was that English you were speaking? I mean, right? It's okay to say nothing. We need to learn the art of saying nothing and letting the Lord speak and him alone. Only his words change things. So why do we think we have to come up with something cool or catchy? We just need to keep our mouths shut and say, Lord, you speak through me. Verse 7, and there was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Wow. The voice of Almighty God. (laughs) Again, Peter, James, and John. They just saw the glory of the Lord. Moses and Elijah, and now they hear the voice of God Almighty. See, the word for overshadow appears in the Old Testament. In Exodus 40, 35, it says, And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Oh, I pray that the glory of the Lord will fill this tabernacle. And I'm not just talking about these four walls. I'm talking about this tabernacle. Fill me, Lord. Oh, fill me, Lord. Fill me up to overflowing, Lord. Then again in 1 Kings 8, 10, and 11. It says, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord has filled the house. Wow. Oh, show us your glory, Lord fill this house. I want to read what these notes say. It says it simply means that the power of God was so strong that the knees of the priest buckled. The glory is the secret of the church without which the church is nothing more than a human institution. However, with this, the cloud. The church is a living organism, different than anything on the face of the earth. Regretably, the modern church knows precious little of the glory of God. And I started thinking about this, and thinking about church services that I had been in in the past, and and thank the Lord, things that the Lord has brought me out of, and. Uh, and forgiven me for and, and things like that because a lot of times people just want um, a goosebump. They want that hype, right? They want to they wanna feel that. But I need him. I need his word. I need his presence. And we've got to be careful not to just dismiss service because someone shouted. We need his word. His word is life. And most of the time, the former is just hype and not really his presence at all. See, I've been in services before where there's been people, uh, I try to tread lightly on this because I know their hearts were right, but they were altogether wrong and getting caught up in hype and, and calling things godly that were nowhere near godly and a service would be dismissed and what what would not go forth the word see the cloud overshadowed but he spoke oh the cloud overshadowed but his word went forth and and i'm one to think now we can't have the glory without the word His word is the glory. I mean, think about that. Why? Because he is the word. His word is his glory. And there are times when his presence just comes in. Oh, it's wonderful. And I want it to get stronger and stronger. And I want his glory to fill the house. I don't want us to be able to stand in his presence. But guess what? When that happens, he will speak. His word will go forth. That's that's the way it is. That's the way it happens. And a lot of times people think, oh, well, people were excited. People were happy. We played that song that builds really good and and, and it's exciting and, and all of these things. So let's just go home. I need a word. I need his word. His word is life. And that's what we should desire. Because his word, if you're truly again in the presence of God, he will speak. He will. Verse 8, and I'm going to stop with verse 8. And suddenly when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. As great as Moses and Elijah are, Jesus is all we need. I love that it says, had looked round about, they saw no man. See, those were men. Those were just mortal men. They saw no man save Jesus only with themselves. Jesus is Almighty God, and he's all we need. He's all we need. He's all you need. The word of the Lord in verse 7 says, uh, listen to Jesus. You don't need a word from a man. You only need a word from the Lord. And this book contains a whole lot of words. When you're going through seasons in your life where you feel like, oh, well, I just don't hear anything. I haven't got a word for him. Then you're saying you haven't been in his word because his word is always speaking. Always. It never stops. We're the ones who stop it. Why? Because we don't open it. It stays like this until... Wednesday or Sunday, and then we open it. But then on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Lord, where are you? Some, he's under this chair here. Now, I know those of you, most of you who leave your word here, you have another Bible at home. But a lot of people don't. Oh, I'll just, I'm good. I got a, I got what I needed on Sunday. Oh, I need him on Sunday night when I walk out the door. I need him on Monday morning when I wake up. We need him and him alone. He's enough. No one else will do that. That's right, he's more than enough. He's more than we will ever need, right? But I want to tell you tonight, as great as all of this is, as it was described here tonight in our text in Mark chapter 9, oh, the best is yet to come. (laughs) The best is yet to come. Because this word is going to become real to us and we're going to get to be a part of that millennial kingdom, the kingdom age, Revelation 21 and 23 says, and the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. He's enough. Oh, He's enough. We're not going to need the sun and the moon anymore. You're not going to need your flashlight. He's the light. He's the light of the world. I mean, we can't even begin to wrap our minds around that, but it's true. It is true. Oh, tonight my prayer is, Lord, just give us a glimpse of your glory. Show us your glory, Lord, tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand in here tonight. If you're viewing by Facebook or Internet, I'm going to ask you to make an altar where you are and allow the Lord to speak to you. See, he's not confined. His spirit is not confined by these walls. What we're feeling here, you're feeling through the camera. That's how real he is, amen? So as Vanessa plays the song tonight, I'm going to ask you to come to just for a moment bow down before Him, lift your hands before Him, and say, Lord, show me your glory, Lord. Lord, just a glimpse. Lord, you're all I need. Lord, I'm sorry for depending on flesh. I'm sorry for getting worried because I got wind that I'm going to be laid off. You're my provider. You're my provision. You're my sustainer. Lord, I'm sorry for becoming fearful, Lord. Oh, Lord, perfect love casteth out all fear, Lord. Oh, God, renew a right spirit within me, Lord. Let me worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. He wants to do that for you tonight, church. He wants to reveal himself to you tonight. Lord, give each and every one a desire, Lord, to go up that mountain with you tonight so that you can reveal yourself to each and every one of us. Take those steps as though you're climbing the mountain. And when you get here, oh, he's going to reveal himself to you. So tonight as the music plays, respond to the drawing. Amen.
1: Is in this room here right now, here right now, making this place I stand holy ground, holy ground. Your Spirit. I see glory as I run inside the throne.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's holy, church. He's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, we worship you tonight, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that that veil's been torn, Lord. That that door's been flung open wide, Lord. And tonight, God, we come in, Lord. Oh, Jesus, tonight, Lord, we have access, Lord. We come in boldly before your throne tonight, Lord. We know, Lord, that you hear the cries of your children, Lord. Oh, we stand on your word tonight, Lord, that we've never seen the righteous forsaken, Lord, nor his seed begged for bread, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You've got us, Lord, in the palm of your hand, Lord, and no man can pluck us out, Lord. We are safe. We are secure. We are cared for, Lord, in you, Lord, and we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, For that security that we have in you, Lord, tonight, God. Oh, I praise you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. Praise you, Lord, for coming in, Lord. For dining with us, Lord. For God just being in our midst tonight, Lord. Oh, Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we can cast our cares on you. For you truly care for us, Lord. We can leave it all at the foot of the cross tonight, Lord. We can walk out with our heads lifted high, looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're not done, Lord. You're not through with us yet, Lord. But you are raising up the church, Lord. Let the church rise, Lord, from the ashes, Lord, to be, Lord, that spotless bride that you're coming back for, Lord. Oh, soon and very soon, Lord, you're going to split the eastern sky, Lord, and you're coming back. You're coming to get us, Lord. The best is yet to come, Lord. You're coming back, Lord. And we are waiting, Lord. Oh, we're waiting, Lord. But while we wait, Lord, oh, while we wait, Lord, let us be faithful to tell of your goodness, of your greatness, Lord, of your saving power, Lord. Oh, Jesus, raise us up, Lord, to tell, Lord, of this glorious gospel, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord, Oh, we worship you, Lord. You're faithful, Lord. Oh, you're faithful, Lord. Oh, you've never failed us yet, and you're not going to start now, Lord. You are faithful to complete what you started, Lord. Oh, you will see us through, Lord. And we're going to come out on the other side greater than we were going in, Lord. And I thank you for it. We're going to come out shining, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Oh, as gold and silver, Lord, just pouring out of us, Lord, leading the way, God, leading whosoever will to the foot of the cross, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. We give you all glory and all honor for your word that's gone forth tonight, God. Your word is life. Oh, Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that those that came in with death clothes, Lord, oh, they've put on life tonight, Lord. Oh, Jesus, that you've lifted those heavy burdens, Lord, and you've replaced it, Lord, with a spirit of praise, Lord. Oh, we worship you and we praise you, Lord. We give you glory and honor, Lord. I pray that you keep each and every one safe as we go our separate ways, Lord. That, God, even as we go to our homes, Lord, we know that your spirit goes before us. And as we open the door, oh, Jesus, you just do it all over again, God. Oh, Jesus, that we step in, God, to the presence again in our very homes, Lord. That we find ourselves an altar, Lord, in our homes with our families, Lord. Oh, what the enemies meant for bad, Lord. You're going to turn it around for good. Lord, you're restoring the altar. You're repairing the altar in the homes, Lord. In the lives, God, of those that the altar has been broken down and torn down as they find themselves in their homes tonight, Lord. You're repairing the altar, Lord. Oh, and I thank you for it, God. Oh, I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for this time, God, that you've allowed each and every one of us to be here to share and to show the love of Jesus, God. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's end with a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. Amen and amen. I want to remind you that the church door